we never know what will make the difference. We can't assume that what worked for us is going to work for somebody else or that it's going to change their life or that it's going to be the right thing for our neighbor. They say you should walk a mile in someone's shoes, but is that possible? One of the biggest lessons I have learned in life is that everyone is going through something, a battle, a trial, a lesson, a challenge, a fight. Everyone is going through something you know nothing about. So we have to be kind. We don't know what is going to bring them to Jesus. And what means nothing to us may be the exact thing they need to hear. And that brings us to today's question. How do we support someone who is in this lost state after they've left the church? And how do we help ourselves if we are the ones who are there? Today I'm talking about why I left the church and three ways that we can help to support each other on this journey. Hi, I'm Shelby Hosfield coach, artist, writer, and follower of Jesus. I spent years turning my back on him after leaving the church, but he never gives up on us. Dear beautiful girl, here we are finding the truth we never had, identity in who God truly says we are, and genuine faith after leaving the church. We are answering tough questions, diving into Bible truths, discovering how to live in faith in a way that overflows our hearts with joy, and listening to gorgeous transformation stories from real world gals. This is the Sunday school you wish you'd had. You're listening to Finding Faith Above. Okay, so if we're going to tell the story about why I left the church, we're going to have to back it up all the way to the beginning. (laughs) So where I live is not super heavily populated by the church I attended with my dad growing up. If it had been, I'm sure this would probably be a very different story. There is a small but very mighty presence uh, here where I live. We are not, say, Utah. (laughs) Here, the predominant religion is actually Catholic. Um, It's a little different than a good amount of the rest of the country. Uh, We have a considerable but very different, very old influence from Spanish settlers from like the 1400s. Mixed with Native American beliefs, it's an old tradition, Mexican-influenced religion. And that's really what is predominant here, I would say, and where I live. But for me, we were different. And in all honesty... I was different from even my dad's church. My whole family wasn't steeped in it. My mom is not Mormon. My family was not. I say this because I know the influence was nothing compared to so many people whose entire lives revolve around the church. But here's the truth. I really just did not like going. (laughs) You know, I mean, I'd love to say that what happened with me was just this great revelation of all of these different, you know, truths and lies and all of this stuff, which for a lot of people it is. But for me, the fact of the matter is, I just really did not like going. <laughs> Let's just say it for what it is. There was nothing about it in that that I really enjoyed. Uh, I thought it was, I guess, kind of boring. Most individuals asked to talk weekly had never done a single public speaking anything. Their talks were erratic. They lacked depth. You don't have like a pastor who stands up there who's given their life to this. this. Um, It really is more based on the congregation. And so it's a very different environment as far as what you get when you go to church each Sunday. Um, Because the faith, I feel like, lacked depth, so too did the talks that we were listening to because these were just members of the general congregation. So it... uh, when I went each Sunday, it, you know, it, it really just did not have that, that moving capacity 
it, it just didn't. Um, the worst, I think, were the fast and testimony weekends. So on Sundays, it was like one Sunday a month. Everybody gets up and they do, um, they, they say their testimony to the entire congregation and all the kids do it and everything too. I never did it. <laughs> I never could. Um, God wasn't telling me that that was what I should be doing. Uh, and it's very robotic in that most of the time you get up and when you bury testimony, you say, I'd like to bear my testimony. I know this church is true. I know Joseph Smith was real prophet. I know the Book of Mormon is true. It's, uh, it's, it's more about the church rather than um, any relationship with God from my experience and from what happened there. And those were my least favorite because that is when I really felt like the guilt would just seep in from all aspects because I didn't feel this way. I couldn't stand up there and say that. And that made me even more different than everyone else because my dad was part of the church. My mom was not. I was kind of mixed in there in some weird way. It wasn't comfortable um, and it never was comfortable. And I think that was a big part of why I, I just did not ever feel moved to want to be there. Uh, Sunday school was interesting. Um, I wanted to so bad <laughs> have the knowledge to be able to stand up and say, I just don't think this is right. But I didn't have anything to back it up. I didn't have anything to say, you know, these teachings that you're talking about today, they don't make sense. And, and this is why. Uh, I just didn't have the knowledge to be able to do that. Remember, this was pre-internet. So I didn't have the ability to say, you know, this is why this is this way. In fact, when I was younger, I didn't even know there was a different translation of the Bible. I thought there was the one translation and that was it. I, I just did not have the knowledge to be able to say anything different. Um, and sometimes I would sit there and daydream the whole time about you know, being able to stand up and stand my ground and say what I wanted to say. Um, but of course I never did that. But I wonder now <laughs> in this day and age with the internet, the way that it is, how often that happens when, you know, someone is teaching. And again, these teachers are people who are just members of the congregation. They're called to be in that position. They may or may not have even really wanted it. Um, they just are called to do it. So, you know, they're teaching the things out of the manual that they're supposed to teach. And I wonder now with the internet, the way that it is and, and how much more access people have to other beliefs and faiths and an understanding of the Bible, how often people stand up or, or young kids even stand up and say, hey, that doesn't make sense. I, I wonder if that does happen or not, or if everybody's just scared <laughs> like I was. I was still a little scared. Uh, I had no resources. I was really just going off of my own feelings and my feelings were telling me there was nothing keeping me there. And that's a big part of all of this is feelings. So I really felt like the church um, lacking that depth of truth that I was searching for. I really wanted to know the truth of who Jesus was. And it felt like I never was, I never was satisfied with that um, by going. I never was given um, any of that truth, any of that, that real Bible, this is who Jesus is, truth that I went a lot off of my feelings. And that's a big part of 
the church um, is is going off of your feelings. In fact, they have a whole part on this on uh, feeling the burning in your bosom, which is like the the Holy Spirit telling you that you know a certain revelation or a prayer or certain things are true. Uh, but our feelings are <laughs> our feelings are fickle, <laughs> um, and, and they're not really something that we are supposed to rely on. Uh, we're supposed to rely on God, not on ourselves, not on our own understanding. Um, but we're really told when we're going through church, and, and I'm sure it's this way in any other um, serious religion. Uh, it's not just the church I, I grew up in, but in, in any serious religion, that if you feel anything different than what you're being taught and what you're supposed to be feeling, that that is from the devil. So we are to operate on feelings as long as they're right. And if they are not in line with what the church is teaching, then they are wrong and they're not from God. And so you get afraid of feeling something different. Um, and, and it's confusing. And ultimately, I can say that this confusion of my feelings mixed with the pressure and the guilt, it was all consuming this is the reason why I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I felt like there was something wrong with me that I hated what was happening and that I hated going. I wished it was something I didn't question, like my friends whose whole families were in it and they just did it. They didn't even question. I wished that I felt God tell me this was the right thing. I wished my feelings were aligned with how the church told me they should be, but they weren't. And I couldn't change that fact within me. What is sad is that up to this point, that is what I knew of God. The church and God were synonymous. Um, I didn't know God outside of the church. And he, in my head, was this thing that hung over me. What I thought he was laid in direct opposition to how I wanted to live my life. I wanted peace. He was not peace. I was lost. He was not finding me. He was not love. I wanted love. He was in my head the one that had been silent while I endured guilt. While sitting in Sunday school one day, I had resigned myself to the fact that I was just going to live my life how I wanted, wrong or right. <laughs> and and I really had a very hard time with saying that I was going to live sinfully. Um, that still is kind of a trigger word for me even now, even now that I am a Christian and I know that I am, you know, going to sin and that I've been forgiven for all of that. Uh, it, it's, it's a bit of a trigger word. And I'm going to do more episodes on trigger words because I do feel like there are a lot of them <laughs> that I have from this, this old past. But uh, I, I'm moving off topic here. So, but I... Uh, I really felt like I was just going to live my life the way that I wanted, uh, right or wrong. And then when I was close to what I thought would be the end of my life, I'd sit there, I'd repent for all I did wrong, I'd go to church, I'd make amends, and all would be well. And I wouldn't have to live my whole life like that because I could not do that. I could not go every Sunday. I just could not make myself do that. But if this was really what God wanted, and if this really was who God was, then I would just figure out a way to make amends for it when it was all over. I knew that leaving the church was going to crush my dad, and that part is still really hard for me to this day. I love my dad, you guys. He is wonderful. He is a wonderful 
person and I have no resentment towards him. I love him and I know this hurts him and upsets him still to this day. And that is really hard for me. And I still haven't even told him about this podcast as of right now, why I'm recording it. So there you go. (laughs) But the truth is I did have to leave. I couldn't, I couldn't stay there. It wasn't, it was not right for, for me. And I couldn't put it into words why I just knew that. And I know the social part of my story is very different for many other people who leave the church. In some ways, I'm sure it made it a lot easier for me to leave because I didn't have that whole huge community. I didn't have my kids already in it. I wasn't married to someone who was in the church. Um, and if you are going through that or you have a loved one going through that, I, I do understand there is a whole nother layer to this. In fact, in, in many cases for people that I've talked to, you wanted this to be true. And that's something that I had heard someone say a while back that a lot of people who criticize people who have left the church don't realize is that they wanted it to be true. And, and when I was younger, I wanted it to all be true so that I could just get the guilt part of it over with. You know, I could just move on and say, okay, this is what I'm doing now. Uh, wanted it to be true. Um, many of you though, you know, I mean, you were in it, you were involved and then you found something like the CES letter or something on the internet or something that disproved it all. And many of you were very crushed and many of you left because of doctrine or lies or people or different things. My experience was a little different and I get that, but all of us, all of you who left all, anybody who has left any sort of, you know, serious, more man-made religion, we are all in the same boat in the fact that the reason ultimately that we left is because the lack of peace in our heart and it was the absence of Jesus. So regardless of what actually made us walk out the door, uh, regardless of our story or how that impacted us, um, it's the same in, in the fact that it was that lack, that lack of the love of Jesus. And growing genuine faith, so moving on to the next step, that part is also the same for all of us because that part is hard. Because when you've walked away from everything you've ever known and then you have to move on with trying to find faith again, that rocks you. That is hard. And when you're left with nothing as far as who God is because you have rejected everything about who you knew he was, which was the church. And now you're starting basically from square one after you had a little mini brain explosion, like most of us did. We all end up feeling super lost. And that is why this podcast exists, because that is where I want to be the one to help you. Because this brings us back to today's question. How do we support someone who is in this lost state? And how do we help ourselves when we are there? Because being lost is no fun. (laughs) I have been there. I was there for a long time. It is no fun. So here are three ways to help when we are lost in life. Number one, we need to respect the process. And this part can get a little tricky. I admit sometimes I am a bit uh, embarrassed by how I was during that whole lost chapters of my life. I was proud. I admit it. Um, I have been taught that my feelings about God and life were what mattered, even if they were wrong. 
but your feelings are what mattered. And so I constructed my whole own worldview based on my own feelings about all issues. And I had kind of a hardened heart about it. And I was prideful and I was like, nobody is going to tell me anything about what I should or should not believe. You may be here. <laughs> you may know someone here. And the biggest thing to know about all of this is God never gives up on us. He is patiently waiting for us and he always goes back for his lost sheep. So I'm going to read you a little story here. Okay. So this is Matthew 18, 12 through 14. These are the actual words of Jesus. So this is what's going to be read in your Bible. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hill and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Because he doesn't give up on us, not a single one of us. He is patiently waiting for each one of us right now. And he will pursue the lost and make himself and the real God known. You just have to be open. And that is one of the things that I struggled with probably the most is my pride and not being open to listening or to wanting to know anything because I felt like I had it all figured out. And that is why I say you must respect the process when you're working with yourself or with somebody else, his process. Everyone's faith journey is going to be different. No person is better than another. No more right or story more empowering. No one receives more grace than anyone else. I guess that's the whole point of the whole thing is that no one receives more grace. No one can boast about it. It is equal for everyone. And we must trust that he is working within our lives and within all of us. Just because certain circumstances mean nothing to us does not mean that those same things are not transforming someone else's heart. So we have to trust him and trust the time with that. Encourage our hearts to be open to God. He will put the right people, the right circumstances, the right words, the things in our path at the right time. If we are able to put down our anger, our guilt, our pride, put it all down and know this may take time, but it will all work within his good time. Trust and respect his working in our hearts. He will not give up on any of his lost sheep. And number two. Go to the word for answers, not our feelings. This is so important. Feelings are not facts. God never intended for feelings to guide us. He wants that job. He wants to guide us. <laughs> so if we're relying on our own understanding, relying on our own feelings, we are going to get even more lost. I honestly thought when I opened my Bible, I was going to find an entire book page after page of more of the guilt I had left. I thought the Bible was a big book of things that were going to put me in my place and stories of those who listened and what happened when they failed. I wanted no part of that. I had no idea. I can honestly say I had no idea of the peace that reading the word would give me because it would bring me to who God really is. He would speak to me through it, give me an understanding of who he truly is and who I am through Christ. Its depth is far greater 
than I ever imagined. And I was very prideful about that as well. I did not think that there was anything in there that was going to really transform my life. And oh, how I was wrong. So we need to go to the word for our answers, not our feelings. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace, loving, gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. That's James 3.17. Our emotions are more of a gauge. They are not a guide. I knew something wasn't right. That's my gauge. But my feelings led me to handle life with anger, confusion, not a great guide. (laughs) The opposite of a good guide. Our feelings are fickle, but God, the true God, is unchanging. God wants to speak to us. He wants us to know him. Let us lean not on our own understanding, Proverbs 3, 5, and trust him and turn to seek wisdom in his word. Even if you are totally unsure, He has a way of bringing the exact right passages to you when you are ready to hear it. And then the third thing is be still. In our quest to find the answers to our lost state of existence or in helping someone else, it may be our first inclination to shove a ton of knowledge in front of them or in front of ourselves and hope for the best. (laughs) But God does not reveal himself in others' anger. He does not show himself in heaps of knowledge-based or hate-led books or anti-this or whatever that, uh, you know, so-called self-help and you can do everything now all on your own bandwagons. He does not reveal himself in all of that junk. And so putting all of that in front of ourselves or in front of somebody who is struggling and, and, you know, wanting to find God is not going to help anybody find him. Uh, He will not show himself when we are seeking on our own prideful endeavors. You find God when you are still. When you surrender to the fact that you will never have this all figured out. You will not be finding yourself or saving yourself. That is God's job. And when you lay the pride down long enough to be still, That is when you find him. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. That's Psalms 37, 7. So how do you make a difference? How do you go from lost to found? When we walk away from everything we ever knew about who we thought God was, we can feel very lost for a very long time. How do we support someone who is lost in life? And how do we help ourselves when we are there? Well, we have to learn to respect God's timing and his process. Not everything is going to flow the way we think it should. It is his will be done, not our own. We also have to retrain ourselves to know that our feelings are our gauge, not our guide. We have to learn to turn to the word for answers and to know him not based on our own decisions, on our own feelings, as they can lead us astray. We don't have all the answers. God wants to be our guide. And then lastly, we need to learn to be still, to trust in him. He will work it all out. Learn to understand that in order to find it all, 
all the peace, all the love, all the joy, the things that make us want to go to church, want to worship, want to know him. It is the opposite of taking control and power. It's in fact learning to be still and know that he is God. It's surrendering to know he has got us. Then we are found. I cannot tell you how happy I am that you showed up to listen today to the Finding Faith Above podcast. This was created out of my own experiences with God's direction to help others find truth, identity, and faith after leaving the church. Check out the show notes to find out more on this episode and find also some resources and art and all sorts of beautiful things to help you on your faith journey over at findingfaithabove.com.